It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the third and final segment of this edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard over the air in Las Vegas, Nevada, the home of your Las Vegas Raiders on 98.5 The Fan and 1140 The Bet in Las Vegas. So thank you to our radio audience for joining us as well. Mo, you think our voices is like our, because the radio waves are, if there are aliens out there, are they going to come down and say, Mo was right? about this or Scott was wrong about that. You think they're you think they're listening to the radio broadcasts of Silver and Black today? If they are, I hope they enjoy it and they don't like we, we need to kidnap these guys and and you know <laughs> probe, probe them, them? Our, probe them on, on what's going on with their government and what what's going on since these guys have voices. So boy it's for good. I, I want nothing to do with talking about our government. There's not a win there. Uh, I have no I have no secrets. Aliens if you're listening, I have no secrets to share. I have no I'm secrets. Sure. I did not hide any uh, former presidents and vice presidents, current presidents hiding classified documents in different places. I do not hide classified documents. So there you go. <laughs> Anything else, I plead the fifth. But on that stuff, I wouldn't. But it, listen, we we get hammered and and tried, people try to cancel us for talking about their car. I can only imagine <laughs> talking about oh, politics. Man. Oh, my gosh. God bless those people who do it. I could not do it. But we are talking Las Vegas Raiders football. But now we're going to shift gears. It is wild card weekend. Your Raiders aren't playing in the games, but I know a lot of you got some scratch on the game. Here in Ohio, we can now bet on our phones. So my wife's had to slap me a few times on the hand. She's like, why are you why are you funding all these different betting apps? I'm like, I'm trying them all. I'm trying to see which one I like, right? Um, and then I'm even getting to the point now where I'm sending Kelly messages, Kelly Kreiner, our good friend, uh, about the fact that I can bet on horse racing from my phone now, which is like crazy. So, uh, but we're talking football. We're talking wildcard football. Mo, <laughs> let's start off with some of these games, some really intriguing games, some games that I think are going to be pretty lopsided as well. And we started talking about draft capital. We talked about the Seattle Seahawks. Look, I'm not a big Pete Carroll fan because Pete Carroll's at USC and I'm a Notre Dame fan and I hate USC. And I know, excuse me, I know a lot of our Raider fans out there in Southern California like USC. So you'll have to pardon me on that one. But listen, the Seahawks trade away Russell Wilson. Geno Smith revives what career he had left. They finish nine and eight, nine and eight. They back into the playoffs Pete Carroll did a pretty dang good job coaching that team this year, especially a guy who some people, oh, he might be, he's retiring, he's older now and all that stuff. And then they have all that draft capital. So this Seattle Seahawks team is going to get a lot better between now and next season. But their prize for making the playoffs, they get to play the San Francisco 49ers, the number two seed on the NFC side. I, I don't see a way for Seattle to win this game. These two division foes, um, you look at San Francisco, Brock Purdy is not... Again, he is not a Hall of Famer or anything like that, but this kid is on fire. He's got the confidence. It's not that he wants to prove that he can play in the league. He's ready to make a run. This could be a Cinderella story of a guy coming from nowhere and making it to the Super Bowl a la uh, Kurt Warner. When you look at this game, any chance for the Seahawks team to compete with that defense and with Brock Purdy in that offense? No. 
But I will say this. <laughs> I'm putting this out there early. I'm putting this out there very, very, what is it, January 11th. Brock Purdy, Super Bowl MVP. I'm just saying. Are you? But yes. You're going to bet that Purdy one? Is, he, I, I, I probably will after this. Brock bet Purdy. Prop. Bet the prop. Brock Purdy is going to be Super Bowl MVP. But anyway, so that, that kind of tips my hand on where I'm going with this. I don't think Seattle, I mean, it's hard to beat an opponent three times in one year. As you mentioned, these are division rivals. But to me, even though the 49ers have a rookie quarterback, the way they can run the ball and Seattle, Seattle's one of their weaknesses is running the football. I, I don't think I don't think Seattle stands a chance. I think it's going to be a double digit win for the 49ers. Between their defense and the way they run the football, it's just going to give Seattle too many problems. Even though Geno Smith, as I said, has a comeback play of the worthy season, I just think the totality of it with Seattle having some young stars that are going to get great experience, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. they're also going to make some mistakes out there against a more veteran laden 49ers squad. And I think the 49ers roll at home. So, and I agree with you 100%. And here's what I think I think, I think the 49ers. Um, with all due respect to Eagles fans out there, actually, they're pretty jerky, so I don't care if they respect it. I don't have to give respect. Um, it would be a popular thing to say in New York, wouldn't it? Plus, they're ahead of us in the podcast standings on the NFL side. So, um, But no, seriously, I think the 49ers will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I really do. And if they were to win, um, being, on, being a lifelong AFC guy, personally, I want to see the AFC always win the Super Bowl. But if they make it to the Super Bowl, and, and they win, I think Christian McCaffrey will be the MVP. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to explode in the playoffs. I really do. We'll see how that all goes. All right, so there's that first game, not as exciting. Now, this game is exciting. It includes an AFC West team, uh, and this is one I've already bet, Mo. I've already taken the underdog in this game. You have the Chargers visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have no faith in Brandon Staley or the Chargers. Um, that probably comes from my scarred childhood. But nonetheless, I think the Jaguars plus one and a half. I like this game. I just think when you look at what Brandon Staley did last week, getting Mike Williams injured again, when the game had absolutely zero, zero. So all of you out there in Raider Nation who think that Josh McDaniels is the worst coach in the NFL, I can argue Brandon Staley's worse because he knew he was in the playoffs. He couldn't change his seating and he's playing starters and gets them injured. And Bosa's injured, too. So I don't see – I just think that this team is run amok because I think the leader is is careless and reckless. And I like Jacksonville, and I, they are on a roll. And Trevor Lawrence, over the last four weeks, looks everything everyone thought he would be coming out of college. Now, to connect – before I get into my prediction, to connect this to the Raiders, let's understand that – now, this is just a rumor, but Stephen A. Smith yeah. is saying that if the Chargers lose this game, that Brandon Staley is probably going to get fired. Yeah. And that Char- opens up the seat for Sean, Sean Payton, Payton yes. or Jim Harbaugh, you know, mm-hmm. who knows? So if the Chargers lose this game, I'm I'm waiting for the announcement to happen if it does happen. You know, he doesn't even then, get on the plane. <laughs> right. He doesn't even get back to address his team. They right. Tom Telesco just says, look, you put yourself in a situation, you basically sabotage this roster before the playoff game. As yeah. you say, got Mike Williams gets hurt, Joey Bosa gets hurt, Kenneth Murray gets hurt. These are guys that we're battling injuries during the season. Why would you play them in a meaningless regular season game? It just made the, the, the excuse he gave was just asinine. He said, basically said, it's not easy because you only have, but so many players to choose from. <laughs> Look, you, you got guys on a practice squad. You got third stringers for that. Come on. You can, yes. you can put out guys that, that haven't got a lot of playoff time that may get need some reps. 
the, the, the excuse he gave is just bogus, but I, I, I'm still on the Chargers simple because I know the Jaguars rolled the Chargers early in the year, but that was a Chargers team that wasn't healthy. I believe Josh, uh, Justin Herbert was dealing with a rib injury. He had that I don't believe yeah. Ke- Keenan Allen was dealing with a hamstring injury. So with Keenan Allen healthy, with Justin Herbert healthy, I still think the Chargers edge the Jaguars. Hmm. I know the Jaguars have a Super Bowl winning head coach, but Trevor Lawrence hasn't been great over the past month. I know the Jaguars have been winning because their their defense has actually played well and they can run the ball, but Trevor Lawrence hasn't been great. And I think it's going to come down to which quarterback makes the most plays. And I think that'll be Justin Herbert. He hasn't been great, Mo, but I would argue that over that same time frame, he's done what he's had to. And he's 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 he's, he's led his team to wins, even despite having some errors and some some actually unforced interceptions and things that he's had to your point going down. So looking at it from that perspective, absolutely. Um, and and I see it. I, I just see it. Uh, I see it the other way. So we'll see how it all works out. All right. Then we go up to Buffalo. And the Bills host the Miami Dolphins, who also backdoored into the playoffs. And uh, you look at this situation there where they're going to be starting a rookie, Skylar Thompson. <laughs> Skylar Thompson uh, is going to uh, start in the hostile, cold environment that is Buffalo, home to one Mr. Evan Grote as well. And um, <laughs> this this one, I think, I think this one has the opportunity to be the biggest blowout in the entire playoffs. I think that this Dolphins team, even though it has talent, I just think with the fact on a third string quarterback, having to go to Buffalo uh, with some of the rumors because of their crappy ownership, some of the rumors around this team that, that they might fire McDaniel, that was before they made the playoffs, but still there's just the fact that you're going to maybe fire a coach after one year again. uh, And, and after everything that happened with Brian Flores just doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think the team's a little bit in turmoil, um, and and that's not good for them, and the uncertainty's not good for them. So I like Buffalo. I like Buffalo big. Again, to tie in, so to keep our Raider audience engaged, I think yep. this game is important because if the Dolphins lose, again, I said this in segment one or two, that segment one, that if Dolphins lose, I think they're going to start to look for a veteran quarterback, and I think mm-hmm. that's when you start to make a call for Derek Carr. Now, I hope the Raiders, in best case scenario, the Raiders can get a one for Derek Carr, but they're de- they can definitely get a, a second rounder for him. And the Dolphins don't have a first rounder because they had to forfeit it because of the, all the tampering with Tom Brady <laughs> and Sean Payton that they did yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. So the best they can do is offer a second for Derek Carr and, and maybe a defensive a playmaker on that side of the ball. So who knows? But I think if they get eliminated, they make a call for Derek Carr. But I'm with you. I think they get rolled. Skylar Thompson against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in that defense. The Dolphins don't stand a chance. It's not happening. I, I understand Skylar Thompson played his college ball at Kansas State, and I get it. And good season for him, good season for him getting the Dolphins in the playoffs. But Kansas State and a couple of starts doesn't get you ready for the Buffalo Bills in a wild card round in the cold. No, and and the cold. Listen, I lived in Kansas. It's cold. It's not Buffalo cold. And <laughs> Kansas State, he maybe played two or three games a year in that cold, and that was it. Uh, if, uh-huh. if, if that, so, so yeah, I agree with that. By the way, one of the things that we haven't mentioned, and this is why I jumped so quickly like you did. And, and if it happens, we both deserve a lot of credit. We don't usually ask for that, but I'm, I'm going to ask for it. And that is the big thing with Miami too. And the reason I immediately looked there, not only because of the two injury, one, Mr. Reginald McKenzie, yep. right? People forget Reggie McKenzie is in Miami. Reggie McKenzie's a pretty big fan of Derek Carr. 
Yeah, drafted him second in the second round. Turned out to be a pretty good quarterback. I think Reggie McKenzie would tap Mike McDaniel on the shoulder and say, "Look, I I drafted this guy. I I I I've been in a Raider organization. No no <laughs> shot at fans or anything, but it's not the most buttoned up organization. It wasn't the most buttoned up organization when I was there. Derek Carr is better than a lot of people think he is. We bring him to Miami with Tyree Kill, with Jalen Waddle. You know, have give him a run game, a steady offensive line." Yeah. Some defensive playmakers, he can he can keep us in the playoff mix. So again, I think if if the Dolphins lose, which I think they will, I think they make a call for Derek Carr with with, with a guy in the front office that's going to vouch for him. Absolutely. All right. Now we look at the next game, Mo. We go to the NFC side. New York Giants, the New York Football Giants at the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, so this is a six versus three seed. The Brian Dable story this year, great story. Um, as well as Daniel Jones making his first career playoff start. Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, another great year as well. You look at this game, and I was surprised because I don't know if it's the end of the Raiders season being disappointing. And I had some Raider fans uh, talking about how, you know, some teams are so lucky to be in bad divisions. And if you look at, like, the Minnesota Vikings, they're not very good. They just beat up on and they lost to good teams. I'm like, the Minnesota Vikings are 13-4. and four. Like, it's not like they're nine and eight and just happen to make the playoffs because they play in the NFC South. This team, it's interesting. They're not flashy or exciting with the exception of a couple guys. But they're, when, you, when you look at Kirk Cousins, of course you have Dalvin Cook, but Justin Jefferson there clearly is the guy. Um, but you look at this Vikings team. I li- I'm intrigued by this matchup because as good as the Vikings are, I think the Giants match up pretty well against them, even though it's on the road. This could be a really good game, Mo. And and but but to back to the Vikings, the Vikings get zero credit. They get zero credit because I think people remember the bad games. Remember they got blown out <laughs> by Dallas. Yes. And then yes. They, and then they go then they fall behind by like thirty something points. Thirty one points. But to the Colts at home. Yeah. And then they they recently got blown out, so it's I understand why people are skeptical of the Vikings because they're probably the the worst good team in recent yeah. memory. Because three even of though, their four losses were just ridiculous, right? When yeah. they're bad, they're terrible. There's no like <laughs> they're either competitive and their games are close, or they're just flat out terrible. Right. And I think that's that's why they they're not getting a lot of respect. I, I believe when they won their 12th game, they were the only 12 win team with a negative point differential. So. This is why people are skeptical of the Vikings. I'm yeah. skeptical of the Vikings, not just because I live in New York City and a lot of my friends are Giants fans, but I just think it's, it's hard. Again, it's hard to beat a team twice within yeah. a month. The Vikings beat the Giants by three points in Week 16. They play again. I think the Giants flip it this time and win this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth yeah. affair, too. I really do. And to your point, I think it comes down to like one of those last-second field goals. And like the Vikings, when we're bad on this show, we're bad. No, <laughs> we're, we're bad and we're bad, man. We're bad. Sorry. Okay. Uh, we got that one anyway. Uh, but yeah, I like the Giants in that, that one too. Uh, then we go uh, out just uh, 33 miles south of where I sit in my studio here to Paycor Stadium. The Bengals host the Baltimore Ravens uh, for the second week in the row and easy to pick the Bengals in this game. Uh, and I do think they will win. Uh, but the Ravens, for whatever reason, last week, and, and I think this is the, the Ravens d- either had a stroke of brilliance or they did the dumbest thing they could ever do. And that is, if you watch the game at all, um, you'll see that the Ravens were doing a lot to frustrate the Bengals. They, the Ravens weren't 
I wouldn't say trying to lose the game, but they weren't exactly trying to win the game. They knew they were going to play each other the following week. Yes, they could have been in Baltimore if the Ravens won, but Harbaugh kind of took the approach. They were doing cheap shots. They were taking, um, uh, they were jawing a lot with the Bengals, trying to get in their head a little bit. And it worked, but here's the thing, Mo. The Bengals are a much, I think, more talented and balanced team than the Ravens are. They're going to be playing at home in relatively warm weather, 42, 43 degrees uh, for Cincinnati in January is not, not too cold. Um, and, and this Bengals team, now winners of seven in a row, or eight in a row, excuse me, uh, seem like they're peaking at the right time. Could this Ravens team come into Cincinnati and beat the Bengals, or you think this is going to go the other way without a doubt? What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's going the other way without a doubt. I mean, let's just address the elephant in the room. Lamar Jackson's not playing. <laughs> exactly. And, and since Lamar Jackson has gone down with an injury, the Ravens have averaged, I believe, 12.5 points a game. So the Bengals can go out there and kick three field goals and, and score one touchdown and probably still beat the Ravens with a score of 19, 20 points. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're probably going to see because Ra- Ravens have, don't get me wrong, the Ravens have a tough defense. They just extended Roquan Smith, who changed that unit for the better. So I think the Ravens will play stout defense and limit the Bengals scoring. So the Bengals are not going to put up 35 points like the mm-hmm. Bills will against the Dolphins. But I do think that when it's all said and done, the margin of win is going to be about nine, 10 points because the Ravens just can't just haven't been able to score without Lamar Jackson. Tyler Hulley has practiced, but he has tendonitis in, in his right shoulder. So you're looking at a third string quarterback, Anthony Brown, and he ain't no Brock Purdy out there. <laughs> so let me tell you, the Ravens are going to have problems scoring. They're only probably going to score about, 10 12 points and and the the Bengals will win this about 20 to 12 something like that yeah and the Bengals who might be without well we'll see it's early in the week it's only Thursday but yesterday T Higgins missed practice with an illness so cold flu something there's the flu's going around everywhere so could be that um but they have so many other weapons I think the Bengals with with all of the attention that is put upon the Bills and the Chiefs rightfully so both incredibly talented teams the Bengals kind of get shuffled down the deck uh, and of course they had the opportunity to to show what they could do and then we had the unfortunate incident with DeMar Hamlin and the game was canceled and, and the it looked like now it was early but it looked like the the Bengals were rolling on the Bills early in that game so so uh, I think I think the country will see kind of just how good the Bengals are this weekend in what isn't a huge matchup for them as far as uh, a team that's going to push them uh, but they'll get to see a little bit of that on display There is a writer angle here okay yes. cuz I, I was where, on I know my- where you're going there was a there was a bleacher. I had my bleacher report live show and I read a question on air and a lot of people wanted to know do the Raiders Go after Lamar Jackson if he can't come to an agreement with the Ravens on a new deal. Because I, I assume that the Ravens are going to franchise Lamar Jackson and try to yeah. work out a deal. But remember, he wants a Deshaun Watson type contract was fully guaranteed. And I don't think he's going to get that. And the reason I don't think he's going to get that is because he has now missed 10 games in the last two years. He's missed five games this year and he missed five games last year. So to the Raider fans that want Lamar Jackson, I get it. He's exciting. He's dynamic. But he's starting to get hurt now with his play yep. style. Again, yep. 10 games in the last two years he's missed. Five games each year. 
and yeah. he's not going to be playing. He's probably not going to be playing in this Ravens player game. So as good as he is, he can't even help the Ravens in this big game. My second point is if you want a Lamar Jackson, just remember you're probably going to have to give up a lot of draft capital to get him, and you have a lot of holes to fill. So all these people who want to trade for a quarterback. We need a defense. Get Lamar right, Jackson. Who tell, me, who, who, who tell me, look, we got all these holes to fill. We, we, need to, we need to overhaul the defense. We need to patch up our offensive line. Well, if you're giving up draft capital for yeah. a quarterback, it limits the amount of capital you have to, to fill those holes. So this is why I, I advocate for either – get a, a quarterback in free agency who you don't have to give up draft capital for or just draft one and go with them as your, as your backup quarterback. You yeah. don't want to give up a bunch of draft capital because, you, again, you're going to have a slow rebuild because you need those draft picks to, to help your defense, to help your offensive line. And well, I don't think the move for, for Lamar Jackson is it. No, and and listen, the Ra- if you look at the current state of the Ravens, their draft capital, their, their, their cap, their salary cap, now they went out and got Raquan Smith. Great move, okay? Mm-hmm. But you look at where they're at. The reason they're in the playoffs and pretty much have no chance of winning with Lamar Jackson hurt is because they don't have money to spend elsewhere. Now, I know he's on his deal, but but what I'm saying is if the Raiders did the same, if they went out and got Lamar Jackson and gave him $243 million or whatever the freaking contract is, um, then suddenly you're hampered by that. And and if a guy's not playing, Guess what happens to your team because you're going to be deficient in other areas because you're paying for one guy. When he's a larger percentage of the salary cap, that just is what it is. We've seen it in other places, and it's why it hampers teams. Uh, you're looking at Green Bay, for example. Um, all right, last game of the weekend um, is Dallas and Tampa Bay. Now, this one is on Monday night, so we're starting to have playoffs on Monday night football, which is kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. In extending Monday night football, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, I just can't figure that guy out. But this one is huge for, I think, the Raiders in that if Tom Brady loses, then Tom Brady kind of is on the market and things could happen very quickly. If Tom Brady wins, then you got to wait and see what happens. Um, I don't see I th- this is a tough one. I don't see I don't see how I pick a winner in this one. The, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott has so much talent, but never seems to put it together at the right time and has been inconsistent. We saw last week just a terrible game. And then the Buccaneers just are deficient in key areas. Tom Brady does what he can. They don't have a running game. Micah Parsons is going to be there and give him trouble all game. And so I just don't know which way to pick this. To me, it's like a pick em. Like I, I don't know. It could go either way. I'm going with Dallas, and I'll tell you they're why. They're the better and team. I, and I, there's no question. They're the better team, and I'll, I'll tell you why. It's, it's simply because the way the Buccaneers' offense is set up. Now, I know what they did against the Carolina Panthers, but I believe they pulled Josh Norman off the street because J.C. Horn got hurt. So they were, they Buccaneers were able to move the ball vertically. But for the most part this year, the Buccaneers, their offense has been clunky for about 58 minutes of a football game. Then the last two minutes of a game, and they hurry up offense, that's when they start moving the ball. And I don't think you can wait till the end of the game, the last two minutes, to beat a Dallas Cowboys team. I know Dallas didn't look good against the Washington Commanders in the last week of the season. But they have multiple ways where they can move the ball. They're not super dependent on Dak Prescott. I know Dak Prescott's thrown a bunch of picks, I believe 11 interceptions since Thanksgiving. Yes. So they're, But they're not as and dependent missed, on Dak Prescott. He led the league with 15, and he missed five games. There you go. So the Cowboys aren't as dependent on Dak Prescott as the Buccaneers are dependent on Tom Brady. The Cowboys can mm-hmm. run the ball. They have a dynamic running back duo with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. I think they put the ball in the running back's hands and take the ball out of Dak Prescott's hands because of his turnovers and and run the ball against that inconsistent Tampa Bay Buccaneers run defense and get the job done. Tom Brady has an early exit, and then he starts planning where he's going to play next, Las Vegas. 
Oh, look at Mo, the Mostradamus. We didn't. I didn't put the crystal ball up. I gotta put the crystal ball. We'll, we'll get the crystal ball out soon. Mo, for, for Raider fans, because I, I get the sense and I understand it because my life is busy. I have a family. I have kids. A lot of work. Uh, and so I don't always get to watch all the games like you do. And I know Raider fans, by and large, mostly will watch Raider games. Maybe they watch some of the, the national games. But when the when the folks watch Monday night's game and they watch Tom Brady and that Buccaneers office offense, what should they look for? What should they watch for um, when you start to think about maybe a Tom Brady led Raiders team? A Tom Brady led Raiders led team is going to be now. It depends on what what he has around him because a lot of people mm-hmm. are speculating that they now. No, we talked about this. Are they going to trade Darren Waller? Yeah. Now let's just say they have all their weapons. I think I think the offense will be efficient. Because even even though the Tampa Buccaneers offense is lopsided without a run game, if you look at Tom Brady in New England with Josh McDaniels, they've they've been a pretty balanced team. I know Tom Brady is the centerpiece of it, but as I've said more times than not, they've also had a top ten rushing offense. So if you keep a Josh Jacobs, I think that the balance that we've been talking about a lot on this show that the Raiders need to have is what you're going to see with a Tom Brady led offense. The other thing is, and someone brought this up on to me on Twitter, I believe it was Faust on. I forgot her name, so I apologize. Mm-hmm. But she brought this up to me <laughs> on Twitter that Tom Brady brings the type of leadership that I think the Raiders need. And what I mean by that, and I'm not saying Derek Carr is not a great leader, but I'm saying that Tom Brady is going to get in guys' faces. We talked about this. Tom yes. Brady is going to bark yes. at his offensive lineman. <clears throat> He's going to bark at Devonta Adams if he has to. He's going to bark at Josh McDaniels if he has to. And I think with all the talk that we've had about the Raiders slipping on details and attention to detail and practice habits, I think Tom Brady, I don't want to say will crack the whip, but I think he'll he'll get on guys if they're slacking at practice. And I think the Raiders need that type of leadership right now if they're going to turn over the leadership position at the quarterback spot. Absolutely, and 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 I hate to do this, and and since since football's almost over, I'm I'm starting to even think a little inkling of baseball. And so you know, I'm a big baseball guy, big San Diego Padre fan. Sorry, Dodger fans out there who are Raider fans. But 1998, the, the the Padres make the World Series against the Yankees. It's a good example. My favorite, my favorite athlete of all time is Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn is one of the best hitters to ever play the game. But Tony Gwynn was a quiet leader. He was not ever a vo- like Derek Carr. He was not ever a guy who's going to scream at people and do all that stuff. He's going to hone his craft. He's going to do his thing. On that team, though, they had a guy Ken Caminiti, who unfortunately died in the Bronx in New York due to a drug overdose. Um, and they also had uh, um, Kevin Brown, a pitcher, right? And those guys were dicks. Like, they, they, they were the type of leader where if somebody was messing around, they not only get in your face, but they might throw a punch at you, right? That's the kind of leadership. So I'm not saying Tom Brady throws punches at people. But to your point, you need both types of leadership styles. They, they actually complement each other. You want to call it good cop, bad cop, whatever you want to do. So on the Raiders, I think they have those leaders. They have leaders like that. And I don't know what goes on in the locker room. You and I don't. I don't know what Devontae Adams is like in the locker room, but he seems more like a quiet spoken, do my job, call on you to do your job type of leader. So, so you add a Tom Brady into that and, and it fits really well. And, and before everybody thinks that we just have a hard on for Tom Brady, that's not it. I'm looking at the team, the makeup of the roster thus far, it's going to change a lot. And you're absolutely right. That's the kind of leader he is. And that's what they would do. So that's what I watch for. Watch for, and they've covered it a lot this year, him yelling at his offensive line and other people on the field uh, out of frustration, of course, but it does show you he knows what he's doing. He's been doing it so long that that he can get guys to where he's got to go. So it would be very interesting to see. And if the Buccaneers lose like we think they will to Dallas, 
then we'll see it earlier. But uh, be an interesting weekend, man. It's going to be a fun weekend because a lot of these games, half, like you said, half of these games I don't think are going to be close, but the Bucks and, and, and Dallas is going to be interesting. The Jaguars and, and the Chargers are going to be interesting. What's going to happen with the head coach there? I, there's a lot of there are a lot of back end storylines that can happen after results of these games that can impact the Raiders and, yes. and their situation with Derek Carr and head coaches coming into division. So there's a lot to pay attention to if you're a Raider fan. Yes, and 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 bringing it back to Raiders and AFC West, we could be on on our show next week, Mo, as early as Tuesday, maybe more like a Thursday, and we could be talking about Jim Harbaugh in Denver and Sean Payton in Los Angeles coaching the Chargers. Can you imagine when we talked about this in the last show? So there's a lot of changes coming in the AFC West, I think. I think, because I do think the Jaguars are going to beat them. So we'll see how that all runs down. But uh, always a fun time, Mo, to talk a little Raider football. We're going to have so much to talk about, so many moves to make. And the dominoes, you know, we have a few weeks left here in the season. The, the Super Bowl is the 11th, right? We got some time, almost about a month to get there. Uh, but the dominoes will start falling faster than people think. Yeah, keep in mind the de- the Derek Carr deadline before his contract locks in forty point four million over the next two years is February fifteenth. So that doesn't mean that the Rays are going to wait till Valentine's Day to deal Derek Carr. It just means that they have up until that day. So if you remember the Alex Smith trade that happened, it oh, happened yeah. at the end of January when Alex Smith mm-hmm. was traded. So it you know a Derek Carr deal could go down during the conference championship week, the division round. It all depends on when some of these teams get eliminated from the playoffs, Miami and Tampa Bay are two to watch, you know, the wheels could start turning. We could start hearing more buzz about where he could end up next year. Yeah. So much, so much to watch, so much to take care, take in and really just talk about. So we're going to do that here on silver and black today. Don't forget tomorrow. We did it on Wednesday during the season. Uh, and as the shows, we, we do a little less number of shows, obviously during the off season, but we're going to do our mailbag, a quick, nice mailbag show for tomorrow on Friday. So make sure you join us for that. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back next Tuesday as well. So tomorrow and then next Tuesday, where we'll talk about some of these results and, and the impact. And who knows, we might even have some more transactions for the Raiders. At least we'll have the rumor mill spinning and we can talk about that, Mo. It'll be a lot of Raider news. They're going to be at the top of the news cycle, I think, quite a bit this offseason. What I will say is that I expect Patrick Graham to be back. But if Patrick, let's say Patrick Graham gets fired, because I, I mentioned mm-hmm. this on a previous show that when asked about his staff, Josh McDaniels wasn't outright saying everyone's going to be back. And I believe one guy is going to coach the Citadel on the collegiate level. But he wasn't he wasn't confirming that, you know, the staff was going to be the same. Now, I said it on the, pre, on the last show that with Patrick Graham, you either fire him now Yep. And start to draft guys for your new defensive coordinator, or you stick it out with him for two years, or else you're going to be cycling through defensive coordinators and cycling through players who fit a certain system. I, I will watch out for Patrick Graham. I, I expect him again. I expect him to be back, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a blockbuster. And he's fine. Yeah, if it happens, no, I think you're right. It's either going to happen now or it's not going to happen for two more years. So right. we'll see how it goes down. All right, Mo, have a great rest of your night, and we will talk to you tomorrow on the Mailbag Show. Absolutely. Raider fans, enjoy the playoffs. I know you're going to connect everything to Derek Carr and what's going to happen. Tweet at me. Tweet your thoughts. I'm open to it because I'll be watching the playoffs sitting back and enjoying the fun. All right. There you go. Mo Moten. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N and read his stuff up on Bleacher Report as well as Sports Not.com. 
I am Scott Gobranson, and for our producer, David Stepanian, and everybody here at Odyssey Sports across the NFL, across all of sports, we thank you for being with us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, thanks and hello. Make sure you subscribe and hit the notifications bell. We will talk to you tomorrow on our mailbag show. Take care, Raider Nation.